Well, good morning, everyone. It's uh, really good to see you all. It's, uh, it's great to see some familiar faces. I'm looking forward to uh, saying hi properly after the service. It's good to see some um, faces that I've never seen before, so uh, hopefully I'll get to meet you uh, before uh, I leave this morning. I, uh, it's, it's really great to be here. We, I always look for an excuse to, to come out uh, to Loudoun Valley ever since uh, you guys tragically left us all those years ago, and so uh, I always look for an opportunity to do that, and so um, I always like it when uh, Jacob and Janice have another child, because that uh, allows me to do that, so uh, thanks for having me. I just send warm greetings from Stellan Park Baptist Church. We love you guys. We pray for you. Uh, near enough every week in our morning service, we pray for you regularly, and so it's really great uh, to see you all. Uh, this morning, we're going to be in Psalm chapter or Psalm 88, Psalm 88, and so uh, please turn there if you haven't already done so. I, I don't know about you, but how I feel often dictates the songs that I sing. For example, when the sky is blue and the sun is shining and I'm feeling happy, well, I like to sing along to the Beach Boys. However, when the sky is white and the snow has fallen and I'm feeling Christmassy, well then I like to sing along to Ella Fitzgerald. There's a song for every occasion, really, so when I feel inspired, well, I'm singing Diana Ross, of course, but when I'm feeling grumpy, then I'm singing Rage Against the Machine, don't judge me. And when I'm feeling homesick, well, then of course I'm singing The Beatles. So, you know, how, how we feel often dictates the songs that we sing. So when things are going well, we sing songs that resonate with our high spirits. However, when things aren't going so well, then we may sing a different tune. But what about those times when life isn't just hard, but it's horrendous? What about those times when you're on the brink of utter despair? When your soul is so overwhelmed with troubles when things are so bad that it feels like God himself is a million miles away. What song will you sing then? You know, what song will you sing when the darkness won't lift and it feels like God has abandoned you? In other words, what song should miserable Christians sing? Well, God in his mercy has given his children such a song. So if you look down there at the first two words in the title of Psalm 88, you'll see that it's called a song. But I must warn you, it's unlike any song you've ever heard. So commentators are agreed that Psalm 88 is the saddest psalm in the Bible. One commentator called it the basement of the psalms. In other words, you don't get any lower than Psalm 88. You see, the psalmist is so brutally honest about his deep, dark depression that it actually might make you feel a little uncomfortable this morning. In a society that is obsessed with health and wealth and happiness, well, a psalm like Psalm 88 doesn't really have a place. But since it does have a place in the Bible, God seems to think that we need this psalm. Now, maybe you're here this morning and you feel crushed by the heaviness of life. And well, God doesn't seem all that interested. Well, Psalm 88 is for you. 
Or maybe you're here this morning and although life isn't perfect, actually things are going pretty well. Well, I want to suggest that you need Psalm 88 too. For at least a couple of reasons. Firstly, there are people in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your family, in your church who feel like the psalmist. And Psalm 88 will help you to pray for, sympathize with, show compassion to, and minister to those around you. Secondly, if there's one thing guaranteed in this life, well, it's suffering. So you and I will suffer. How severely only God knows. But when suffering comes, then singing, I will survive by glory again, it won't be enough. You will need a song like Psalm 88. So having said all that, wherever you are this morning, let's listen to this great song. Psalm 88, begin in verse 1. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry, for my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they're cut off from your hand. You've put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You've caused my companions to shun me. You've made me a horror to them. I'm shut in, so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you, in the morning, my prayer comes before you. Oh Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I'm helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You've caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. What I'd like to do this morning is I'd like to explore this psalm under three headings. And each heading tells us just what kind of song Psalm 88 is. So firstly, Psalm 88 is a song for sad souls. A song for sad souls. So the most obvious thing about Psalm 88 is that its author is deeply sad. So in verse 1, he cries out day and night. And now this is not a, a mere whimper. This is wailing, howling, sobbing right from his gut. This is the helpless cry of a child to its parents. 
Just peek down at verse 9 there, where we see the psalmist says, my eye grows dim through sorrow. He's shed so many tears that his eyes have grown dim. Life is dark and gloomy. But why is he so distraught? Well, look at verse 3. For my soul is full of troubles. At the center of his being, he's in anguish. Now, he's not simply dealing with one hardship, but it seems like many hardships are piling up, one on top of the other, to the point where his soul is being crushed under the weight. He just can't take anymore. The psalmist is experiencing the stubborn darkness of depression. Now, if you've ever felt depressed before, then you'll know what it feels like. So listen to the way he describes how he feels. So firstly, he feels like death. Look at verse 3. And my life draws near to Sheol. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. Look at verse 5. Like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave. Although his heart is still beating, his life feels like a living death. Secondly, he feels exhausted, verse 4. I'm a man with no strength. The sleepless nights, the constant anxiety, the crushing weight of life's troubles on his soul has left him utterly exhausted. Thirdly, he feels trapped. Look at the end of verse 9. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. Fourthly, he feels alone. Look at the end of verse 5. He feels like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. This is the worst part of his troubles. He feels like God has abandoned them, cut him off. Quickly glance down to verse 14. Why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? You know, maybe some of you have been in that place. Maybe some of you are in that place right now. Your soul is so full of troubles and you cry out day and night and all you want is to feel God's presence, to feel his love, to feel his comfort. But God is silent. And like the psalmist, you cry out, why won't you answer me, God? I mean, why are you silent? Why won't you help? Why don't you care for me? It is... Such a sad thing when you pray and you pray and it seems like God doesn't care. You know, if that's you this morning, then I, can I just encourage you that actually you're not alone. You know, the temptation is to think that you're the only one that feels like this. To think that you're either crazy or that God has in fact abandoned you. However, take comfort from the fact that Psalm 88 is in your Bible. That God in his kindness has actually given you language and metaphors for your pain. He's actually given you an example of someone who knows what it feels like for God to forsake him. Or at least to know what it feels like to feel that God has forsaken him. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, the psalmist's friends appear to have rejected them too. So look at the end of, or look at verse eight. He says, you've caused my companions to shun me. You've made me a horror to them. This complaint pops up again in verse 18. You've caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. 
He feels so alone, so isolated that darkness is his only friend. Isn't that heartbreaking? Now, we don't have enough information to know why the psalmist feels shunned by his friends, but I think there are a few possibilities. So some people think that he could have had a skin disease like leprosy. And so this would have caused others to avoid him in case, well, they caught it too, or they became ceremonially unclean. Others think that his friends shunned him because of his depression. So kind of like Job's friends who were there for him in the beginning, but then when his depression didn't lift, they just turned on him. And this is actually a very common thing when people experience depression because unfortunately the church has often done a terrible job of caring for people in depression. We often have a very simplistic view of what it means to suffer like this. And so when someone is depressed, people say things like, oh, you, you just need to trust God. You just need to cheer up. You just need to read your Bible and pray more. You just need to get outside and go for a walk. You just need to change your diet. You just need to sleep more. In other words, the reason you're depressed is because you're doing something wrong. But don't worry, here's a quick fix and this will make it all better. See you next Sunday. You know, all too often, that's how we respond to people in depression, isn't it? We don't have a category for a godly person who is suffering like the psalmist here. And that means when the depression doesn't go away, we conclude, well, that person's their own worst enemy. We view their depression as a symptom of their sin. And so we shun them or we shame them. We judge them. And we end up pushing them further into the depths of the pit. You know, maybe you're here this morning and you feel like Psalm 88. No one would ever know that just looking at you on a Sunday morning because you put on a, a nice smiley face for church. But you read Psalm 88 and you think, that's exactly how I feel. And maybe what's made it even worse is that you, when you've revealed that a little bit, you felt shamed or shunned by God's people. And that's why you put on a happy face to church. You know, if that is you, then I want to apologize to you this morning. On behalf of the body of Christ, we're, we're sorry that we so often fail to love people who suffer so greatly. So please forgive us. But there's another reason the psalmist might feel shunned by his friends. You see, depression has a way of isolating us, doesn't it? It makes us not want to get out of bed in the morning. It makes us want to close in on ourselves. It makes us want to push people away. And of course, this is down to many complicated reasons, but one of those reasons is because we're afraid. We're afraid of how people will treat us. We're afraid that if they really knew how we, we feel, well, they just couldn't handle it. You know, we, we think if they really knew how much I wanted to die, if they really knew how many suicidal thoughts I've had this week. Like if they really knew how many tears I shed at night, if they really knew the kind of things I've said to God in prayer, if they really knew how thick and heavy this dark fog is that, that, that is over me everywhere I go, I mean, the last thing I need is more shame and guilt piled on. The last thing I need is more rejection. So if that's you, can I just say thank you for coming this morning. You know, thanks for getting out of bed when you probably didn't want to. Thanks for sitting in a room full of people when you probably feel very vulnerable. 
And thanks for listening to God's word when it's probably very painful. But can I just urge you to do something? If you are suffering alone, then please take a risk and speak to a trustworthy friend. And if you're not sure that you have one, then, I mean, come and speak to me after the service. Come and speak to, to, to Joe or somebody here that you think you can trust. You know, if you feel like the psalmist this morning, don't isolate yourself because depression does its worst work when we try to fight it alone. So that's the fourth thing the psalmist feels. He feels alone. Fifthly, he feels condemned. Now, some of you have heard this story before, but I remember my first trip to Delaware. I don't think you ever forget your first trip to Delaware, but I remember stepping on, on the beach and feeling the sand between my toes, and I could smell that fresh, salty air. I could hear the seagulls flying above, but best of all, I could see the waves crashing into the shore. And when I saw those waves, I just, I felt the ocean calling to me. I felt like Moana, if you know what I'm talking about, because th th there aren't many things in life that I love more than getting taken out by a wave that's bigger than me. And a wave doesn't have to be very high before it's bigger than me. So I saw those waves and I was just so excited. So I ran, I jumped into the ocean and I was just letting wave after wave hit me and it was great. I was having a great time. And, but that was until, uh, that, was, that was until I got a little bit distracted and I didn't notice a succession of waves coming for me. And so when one of them hit me, before I could even react, another one hit me, and another one hit me, and another one hit me, and I was just ambushed by what seemed like a storm of waves. And I was literally slammed chest first onto the ocean floor, and I was dragged down, and it felt like the weight of the ocean was on top of me. And for a split second, I thought, oh no, I'm gonna die in Delaware. It was terrible, couldn't believe it. <laughs> But I learned, something, I learned something that day that there's something about being hit by a succession of waves that can put even the strongest swimmer in danger. Now listen to how the psalmist describes the situation. Look at verse seven. Your wrath lies heavy upon me and you overwhelm me with all your waves. Look at verse 16 and 17. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful Assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me altogether. In, his, in the darkness, in his depression, it feels like God is assaulting him. That's the word he uses. Wave after wave, bam, bam, bam. There's no, it's surrounding him like a flood, he says. All day long, there's no relief. There's no calm in the sea. It feels like he's about to drown. That's how he feels. And it's, I think it's important to realize something here. The psalmist is expressing how he feels. And now, as we all know, how we feel doesn't always correspond with reality, does it? Particularly when we're depressed. So he feels as though God is punishing him. However, there's absolutely no indication in the psalm that this is true. There's no mention of any sin here. There's no confession so what does this teach us? I think it teaches us that when our soul is full of troubles, it can feel as though God himself is against us. We can think, I must be suffering because of my sin. And so we end up feeling condemned. 
Now, does sin lead to suffering? Yes. However, that doesn't mean suffering is always the result of personal sin. There's, never, there's not always a direct line between the thing I'm suffering and a personal sin that I've committed. Can depression lead to sin? Yes. Are some people depressed because of their sin? Yes. However, does that mean that depression is always the result of personal sin? Is there always a direct line between a person's depression and their personal sin? No. And we need to remember that. And we need to remember that most, you know, often some of the most godly people in history are those who've suffered the most, are those who've been the most depressed. And sometimes it's mysterious suffering, mysterious depression. So if you're suffering as a Christian, you're actually in very good company. Sixthly, the psalmist feels confused. So look at the amount of questions he asks in this passage. So he asks six of them in verses 10 to 12. In these questions, he's basically asking, you know what, if, if I die like this, how would this glorify you? Like if my despair never ceases, how will that evidence your faithful love? And he asks two more questions in verse 14. Why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? You know, when we suffer, it's just so natural for us to ask the question, why, isn't it? In fact, sometimes our first response that we have to suffering, almost instinctively, is to ask why. Why me? Why this? Why now? Why them? Why him? Why her? Why again? You see, it's not just the pain, is it? But it's the apparent meaningless of the pain that's so hard to take. It just seems so purposeless. The couple that suffers the loss of multiple children. The person who wants to be a missionary but who's bedridden in bed with an illness. The woman who feels like she has so much to give but is crippled by mental illness. The unanswered prayer of so many good things. I mean, what's the point? How is this accomplishing anything? I mean, how can this be part of God's good plan? You know, if pain has no point, then why keep going? Why persevere? You know, maybe you're suffering immensely this morning and you've said to God, you know, I could handle this suffering if you would just show me why. You know, can you see why Psalm 88 is a song written just for you? I mean, you already know the lyrics, even if you've never read this psalm before. Because these are the lyrics of, these are the lyrics to the song of all God's people who've ever suffered like this. But it's worth mentioning that the psalmist, he never seems to get an answer to his why question, does he? Just like Job. But the fact that we're singing his song 3,000 years later proves that his suffering wasn't meaningless and neither is yours. So the psalmist feels confused and last of all, he feels helpless. Look at verse 15. Afflicted and close to death, from my youth up. I suffer your terrors. I'm helpless. You know, one of the reasons he feels so helpless is because his suffering has lasted for such a long time. He says it's, it's lasted from his youth up. I mean, he would do anything to get out of it, but he's helpless. You know, when people are depressed, it's, it's tempting to look for a quick, simplistic solution. But Psalm 88 just doesn't give us that, does it? Notice how multifaceted 
multifaceted his depression is. It's physical, emotional, psychological, relational, spiritual. I mean, there's no quick fix for depression like that. That's why the psalm finishes the way it does. In the original Hebrew language, the final word of the song is darkness. It leaves you feeling like darkness has the last word. And maybe that's exactly how you feel this morning. You feel like darkness will have the last word on your life. Well, here is a God-inspired song for you to sing. Psalm 88 is a song for sad souls. It's a song to sing when your soul is full to the brim with troubles and it feels like your faith might not make it to the end. I wonder before we move to our next point, are you a church that allows people to feel like Psalm 88? So if someone confessed to feeling like this, if you were, if you were in one of your small groups or if you were, if you were uh, hanging out with, with, with each other, if you were praying with somebody after the service and they started praying like Psalm 88, how would you respond? Would you rebuke them? Would you shun them? Would you shame them? Would you try and offer them a quick fix? Honestly, I, I, think, I think I would sometimes, even after preaching Psalm 88. But God wants us to have a category for a godly Christian who suffers from deep, dark, mysterious depression. Psalm 88 shows us that it's actually not sub-Christian to feel depressed and far away from God. So this brings us to our second heading this morning. Psalm 88 is a song for persevering in prayer. A song for persevering in prayer. So throughout this dark song, we see evidence of persistent prayer. I think it's one of the things that shows us that the psalmist is not living in sin. So we see it there in verses 1 and 2. It's there in verse 9. It's there in verse 13. In fact, the whole song is a prayer to God. Despite the way he feels, the psalmist cries out day and night. Now, this is really interesting, and it's interesting for at least a couple of reasons. Firstly, it's remarkable that he turns to God at all. Because the temptation when we're suffering is to close in on ourselves, isn't it? To become so overwhelmed with stress and sorrow that God's not even in the picture anymore. But it's remarkable that God is is still a character in his story. You know, sometimes we have these unrealistic expectations of the Christian life, don't we? We have these ideas of what a normal, normal well-put-together Christian looks like. But you might, find, you might find that one day life becomes so difficult that you can't even get out of bed. But you know what? If you turn to God in that moment, I mean, that's remarkable. But what if you don't turn to God when the dark clouds roll in. Well, this song is, is inviting you to do exactly that. It's inviting you to know that you can turn to God even when life is getting darker and darker. And if you turn to God in those times, well, that is remarkable, supernatural, God-glorifying faith. And it won't feel like that to you. It won't feel like strong faith. It'll feel like very weak faith. But actually, it's the strongest type of faith. It's easy to turn to God when life's going really well. It's, it's really hard to turn to God when you feel like Psalm 88. 
I wonder if you've ever felt so miserable that you don't even know what to say to God. Like you can't even articulate the way you feel. Well, Psalm 88 is inviting you to take these words and make them your own. That's one of the great things about the Psalms. Yeah, I was speaking to someone the other day who was in a very, very dark place. And I said, are you praying? I said, I don't know what to pray. And I said, have you ever read the Psalms? And they were like, no. It's like, why don't you just read the Psalms and, and, and just pray them? And so they opened up the Psalms and they started reading one of the Psalms and just started crying. And they're like, this, this explains how I feel. And they just started praying God's words back to him. And it's been so helpful for them. Life's not got any better. In fact, it's got worse. But now they have words, God-inspired words to pray back to God. And so life's getting worse, but their faith is getting stronger. Here's, but there's a second reason the psalmist's faith is remarkable. Here's a question for you. Who does the psalmist think that his suffering is coming from? Well, it's God. Look at verse 6. You have put me, verse seven, you overwhelm me. Verse eight, you've caused, you've made. He turns to the very God who has put him in the darkness. I mean, why doesn't he just shake his fist at God? Why doesn't he just cuss him out or accuse him of evil? Why does he persevere in prayer? I don't know if you noticed this, but the psalmist never doubts the character of God, does he? So in verse 11, he appeals to God's steadfast love and faithfulness. In verse 12, he recognizes that God is righteous and perfectly just. He can't understand why God has allowed his suffering, yet he trusts him anyway. He trusts that God, in his loving, righteous, faithful wisdom, has sufficient reasons. It's the character of God, not his circumstances, that brings him hope. I'll say that again. It's the character of God, not his circumstances, that brings him hope. And that's why he still prays. In fact, the opening lyrics to the song are absolutely key. Look at verse one. O Lord, God of my salvation. This is what keeps the psalmist clinging on with the little strength he has left. This is where his thread of hope can be found. God is the God of his salvation. He's the only one who can save his soul. He can't see an end to his suffering, but he has faith that there is an end. His suffering may continue for now, but it won't continue forever. God will save him. And it's here that we find the psalmist's hope. And that's why his suffering drives him back to God day and night. Now, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, I wonder what you do with the problem of suffering. I wonder what you do when your soul is full of troubles. Because if there is no God, if we're simply here by chance, then well, suffering is just random, isn't it? There's no ultimate purpose to it. That means it doesn't really matter if we suffer. It's neither good, nor bad, nor right, nor wrong. It's just how it is. But that's not a satisfying thought, is it? When our souls are full of trouble, it feels unnatural, it feels wrong, and that's because it is wrong. We're not meant to feel like this. Suffering is a wake-up call. It's meant to alert us to the fact that the world is not meant to be like this. Something has gone terribly wrong. We're not meant to feel like this, and we need saving from the way we feel. We need saving from this world. 
C.S. Lewis once said, pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. In other words, suffering should wake us up to our need for a savior. Someone to save us from the suffering of a sin-sick world. Like the psalmist, we too need saving. And the good news is that there is a God who offers salvation. There's a God who promises to save us from the darkness and suffering of this world. But the question still remains, how do we know? How do we know that God hears us? How do we know that he cares, cares about us? How do we know that God will in fact save us from the darkness, particularly when he feels so far away at times? Well, this brings us on to our third and final point this morning. Psalm 88 is a song for a suffering saviour. A song for a suffering saviour. The psalmist knows what it feels like to be in the regions dark and deep. But there was another person who knew what it was like to be even lower. There was someone who came after the psalmist whom the Bible says was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Think about that for a second. He was so acquainted with grief, so familiar with suffering, so aware of the agonies of the soul that the Bible calls him a man of sorrows. Sorrow characterized his life. We read about this individual in Mark chapter 14. Listen and pay attention to these words. We read in Mark 14, and he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. His soul was so full of trouble that Luke tells us, and being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. His soul was so full of trouble, he was so filled with anxiety, and he so felt the weight of the darkness that he literally sweat great drops of blood. Who's this man of sorrows? Well, it's Jesus Christ. Jesus knows what it feels like to feel so sorrowful that he might die. He knows what it's like to have his own friends abandon him in his hour of greatest need. He knows what it feels like to be lonely. He knows what it feels like to pray for his suffering to pass, but have that prayer return empty. Jesus is the true singer of Psalm 88. It's interesting that for those who are suffering deeply, the Bible doesn't offer us a simplistic solution, but instead gives us a sympathetic savior, which is much, much better. The Lord Jesus knows what it's like to sing Psalm 88. Isn't that good news? He knows what it's like to experience the darkness even more than we do. So if you're here this morning and you wonder whether you'll make it, if you wonder whether your faith will fail, know that you have a sympathetic and compassionate Savior. Jesus knows how you feel. And so you can cry out to him. But Jesus didn't just come to sympathize with us. He came to save us. I mean, why do we live in a world with depression in the first place? 
Why is the world filled with anxiety and loneliness and pain? Why is there so much darkness and suffering? Well, it's because of sin, isn't it? Humanity has turned its back on its maker. We've rebelled against the king of creation. We've put ourselves at the center of the world. And because of sin, the world's cursed. Where there was light, there's now darkness. Where there was joy, there's now sorrow. Where there was life, there's now death. And this is God's judgment on the world. This is what we deserve for our sin. We deserve to be overwhelmed with the waves of God's judgment. But the good news of the Bible is that darkness is not our only friend. Because Jesus, the light of the world, stepped into the darkness. And he lived the perfect life we should have lived. And he suffered and he died. And on the cross, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Can you hear the cry of Psalm 88 in those words? But here's the difference. The psalmist felt like he was under God's wrath, but he wasn't. Jesus felt like he was under God's wrath because he was. He was forsaken by God, abandoned by God, in our place for our sin. Jesus suffered the wrath of God so that we never would. If you're a Christian this morning and you feel like God has abandoned you, then look away from your circumstances, which I know is so hard to do, and look at Jesus. He was cut off from the Father so that you never would be. If you feel like God is punishing you, then look away from your pain and look to Jesus. He was punished for your sin so that you never would be. He came so that darkness wouldn't have the last word in our lives. That's why Jesus didn't stay in the grave, but he rose. He conquered sin and death. He died so that one day the agonies of this life would pass and God himself, think about this, God himself, the one who sometimes feels so far away, will wipe every tear from our eyes. So if you're here this morning and life feels dark, then here's a song for you to sing. And as you sing it, you can know that Jesus sang it first. And he sang it for you. He willingly entered into the darkness for you. And so in your depression, in your suffering, you can have deep communion with your sympathetic savior. I mean, isn't that fascinating? Think about this a second. The darkness we can experience, we experience can sometimes drive us away from God. However, the darkness we can experience can actually become the means by which we come to know Jesus more. Because as we sing Psalm 88, we realize, wow, Jesus felt this way for me. Jesus experienced this for me. He willingly suffered like this for me. He came and he experienced this darkness for me. Man, he must really love me. Even if I don't feel that, he must really love me because I would do anything to get out of this. I would never choose this, but Jesus did. And as we sing Psalm 88 in light of Jesus, we remind ourselves that darkness will not have the last word. Sorrow will give way to joy, death to resurrection, suffering to glory. And we look forward to that day when God will wipe away every tear from our eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things will have passed away. 
Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've given your church a song to sing in dark times. We confess that we sometimes struggle to turn to you when life is hard. We easily doubt your goodness and power. Would you forgive us? Lord, we pray for those in our midst that are living Psalm 88 right now. For those who are overwhelmed with troubles. For those who don't know whether they'll make it. For those who wonder whether you've let them go. Would you help them to see that they have a sympathetic saviour in Jesus Christ? That in Jesus they have hope for their suffering. That their suffering will not have the last word, but in Christ they have a glorious future where you yourself will wipe away every tear from their eyes. We ask all of these things of the name of him who sang Psalm 88 for us. Amen.